Research shows that religious inclusion is not only good for people, but also good for business. So what should current and future business leaders know about religion's impact on a company's culture and bottom line? Welcome to the Interfaith Business Network podcast with your hosts, Brianne White and Angie Luo. We are graduate business students for whom faith and spirituality are very important. We dream of a world where everyone feels like they belong. To get there, we believe people with diverse faith and belief systems need a place at the conference table. In today's episode, we feature guests from Intel and the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation to explore why religious freedom and inclusion at work matters. We have with us today, Brian Grimm, founding president of the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation, and Craig Carter, product manager and corporate culture and inclusion driver at Intel, one of the companies included on the Ready Index. Why don't we go ahead and start with Brian. Brian, can you tell us about yourself and what prompted you to found the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation? Well, that's a long story and and lots of chapters. So I'll I'll just give you one page out of one chapter from uh, back in the Soviet Union. So when I worked in the Soviet Union, when it was the Soviet Union, and as it was dissolving, uh, the new president of the republic I was in, Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic, now the president of this new country, Kazakhstan, wanted to equip their country with business skills. And he looked to me, I was leading a faith-based NGO, and he asked if I would help turn their former Communist Party training school into a business school, which we did. And, And at that moment, when a new president was founding his new country, he looked to faith-based actors because he thought there's some connection between freedom and faith and business, and these guys would be good to help us set up that business school. And so ever since then, and even before then, I've really been fascinated by the connection between business and faith and freedom. Uh, and so this work I'm doing today is actually part of you know the history that, that I've lived. That's so fascinating, Brian. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Uh, we also have Craig Carter here, who has worked at Intel Corporation for over 20 years and is the leader of the global Intel Christian Employee Group. Craig, you also created the Intel Cross-Religion and Belief Leaders Alliance, working with Jewish, Baha'i, Muslim, atheist, Hindu, Christian, and Sikh leaders, leading Intel to be number one of Fortune 100 in this area. Can you tell us what led you to found the Intel Cross-Religion and Belief Leaders Alliance? Absolutely. So thanks. It's really great to be with you all today. So I've been here at Intel, like you mentioned, for over 20 years, involved in the Christian Employee Resource Group for about that length of time. And it was about two years ago um, that I felt like God was actually talking to me saying, Craig, um, get engaged with the Muslim leaders, Baha'i leaders, the atheist leaders, and get to know them and um, work together. Ultimately, I started meeting with these people one-on-one, and I was shocked to find out they loved it, these different Muslim leaders. And again, these are people that are very um, strict in their faith, praying five times a game. Most of them grew up in Pakistan, Iran, and grew up in uh, very strongly Muslim nations or Sikh, right, in northern India or in the Fiji area, actually, some of our leaders are coming from. But as I met with all of them and we pulled everyone together, including the atheist and agnostic group, we just have a lot of fun together and we enjoy doing things together. We do cross-faith panels together, which our HR department just doesn't even know what to do with because we're the poster child for diversity and inclusion. It's been really wonderful. 
to accept people at often the, the deepest part of who they are, which is their belief system and their religious background. Thank you, Craig. Brian and Craig, it sounds like between the two of you, you have very broad world experience. Can you tell us a little bit about why your faith matters to you and why you think faith matters in the workplace? In my time at Intel, at different points in my career, I've been a manager of pretty large teams. And other times in my career, I've not been a manager of teams. Um, as a manager, you want a team to be honest and um, trust each other. And to have that level of trust, the foundation is being real at work, or the common term that a lot of people use today is being authentic. If a person can truly be authentic with their belief system, their background, what they believe without the fear of being judged, um, you can have a really high-performing team. And ultimately, business is about high-performing teams to get the highest quality product out the door at the, the lowest cost. Um, so I've seen that really work well at Intel and the teams where I've been able to manage and actually develop this culture which would include a person's belief system, um, has been just wonderful. And then as I've been in teams where no one really cares about what they believe or you know why the Sikh has a turban on his head and no one asks him, well, it's awkward and we do not have high-performing teams. And so I've seen both the good and the not so good. And the good is always related to accepting people and helping them to free, freely bring all their beliefs to work. I'll, I'll add to that. So one of the things that happens when you create that open, you know, welcoming environment to people of whatever their faiths and beliefs are, uh, is a matter of retention. So when you do that, you're going to keep, you know, turnover kills, you know, any company, you know, you want people that are going to stay and be devoted and help develop the company, help it grow. Um, so I'll give it a, from my own background, I, I've worked overseas a lot of years and uh, one year I worked in Saudi Arabia where my, I'm Catholic, where my faith was completely illegal. Uh, every other faith besides established Islam is illegal. Uh, you can't have churches in the country. In fact, I was let known, I was teaching at a, in a, um, a, a job skill business training program. And they let me know if I even said Merry Christmas to a student, I'd be fired I'd be, you know, lose two months salary they held in reserve. I'd have to pay for my whole family to get out of there and could even be thrown in jail. Um, imagine, you know, I, I could, I literally counted the minutes until my contract was up and I could get out of there. No way I, I could stay, you know, because my own faith is so important. I couldn't even worship, you know, there was no place to worship. It was, um, even if I would, you know, go and gather with people. They they had Mutawa, um, uh, who would come around religious police and and lock us down, uh, throw throw us in jail even. So you know that wasn't a place I wanted to stay and work. But on the same piece of land just across the border in the United Arab Emirates, um, not only was my faith welcome, but the uh, the president of the country at the time he gave land for us to build a you know and have a Catholic church and sort of one pivotal moment was when I was when 9/11 happened um, I was coordinating study at the academic uh, academic studies at their military academy sort of their West Point and the the general you know called all the senior staff in to say, well, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to evacuate? You know, we had evacuation plans because we had 20,000 Afghani people working in our town. 
Um, and the, we had a sergeant who was going around serving us tea during this meeting around the general's round table. And then the prayer call went off. And as uh, that prayer call went off, the, the general said, okay, let's pray. And he said, well, to me, he said, you know, feel free to join us. Uh, you know, we know you're not of our faith, but you can pray while we do. Right in that situation where compared to where I was before, uh, even though, you know, they, uh, they weren't of my faith, they welcomed my faith. And in that country, I was so motivated to work. Um, I even wrote a textbook with po that used poetry, to t you know, as part of the teaching. So you don't get that kind of creativity and, and buy-in um, if people feel like their deepest self is not included. So, um, so that you know, that's part that really animated my work in understanding how this is not just a, a you know religious freedom issue; it's a bottom line business issue. And, and Brian, actually, your uh, mention of the retention word reminded me of um, what I always like to call the three R's related to this. And the first R is basically recruiting. So if you're a business that people want to work at because people will feel accepted for who they are, you can recruit the better people. Um, number two is what Brian had mentioned. You can retain them. It's incredibly expensive for business when they lose people. Here at Intel, we have some, um, we have a lot of engineers, no surprise, right? Um, masters, PhDs with decades of experience. When they leave, that costs us millions of dollars often to replace that skill set. So it's recruit, retention, and then results. Ultimately, with these high-performing teams, you get better results than your competition, which in business is a very good thing. Yeah, thanks so much, Brian and Craig. I love hearing how your backgrounds have influenced the work that you do today, and also this tie between uh, results for business and inclusivity. I think a lot of people don't want to talk about religion in the workforce, or they don't want to talk about um, these issues. They don't want to think that it's an issue because they want to focus on business. But seeing that there's this real tie between accepting people for who they are and the business bottom line, I think is, is very important for all of us to, to hear and to know about. Um, Brian, I want to ask you a little bit more about the Ready Index. Can you tell us what it is, what it measures, and how it helps companies who are trying to become more inclusive in their hiring and workplace practices. Yeah, thanks. The Ready Index is the Religious Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Index, the corporate index, Ready Index. And um, it, it started, it's now had two annual reports. We'll have another report next year coming out in 2022. And it provides a benchmark for companies to um, see how, where they're at on uh, workplace inclusion as it relates to religion. Uh, and, and where they can go. Uh, the index is developing. So we've had two years where we did a, an assessment of companies from the outside, you could say. We looked at uh, information we could get on the companies, see if they have employee resource groups like Intel. You know, they have uh, seven, eight growing number of uh, faith and belief groups, uh, which really shows a, a commitment by a company because these are company-sponsored, employee-led groups that you know are chartered within the company. That they're not just like a private club. Um, so we looked at things like that. Are they are they doing external work to spread this news? Like Craig being on this podcast, you know, he's taking what Intel's doing and sharing it with the world. That matters, you know, when companies say you could say come out of the closet, you know, to, so to speak, on on what they're doing in, uh, on faith in the workplace. 
Um, so we've had, <clears throat> just to give you a little bit of um, sneak peek into next year, is that we, we now have you know, dozens of companies that are working with us on, on this, uh, big companies, Fortune 100 companies like Intel and uh, Google and Salesforce and other companies, American Airlines. So we had a focus group of folks giving us feedback on the index. And now we've centered in on 10 uh, core sort of benchmark measures uh, that will be part of the questionnaire that we'll see companies to um, respond to. So in that way, we're, we've moved this index from one where we're sort of grading companies based on information we can gather to next year, companies can self-report on what they're doing. And, and actually that's the industry industry standard. So like uh, Diversity Incorporated, you know, all these 10 best, you know, the best workplaces for, you know, whatever the category is, LGBTQ plus or women or veterans, um, many of those companies opt into. And so that's what we're moving towards uh, now that we have this network of folks who are, you know, responsive and will we'll provide the information. So we think it's going to only grow in the future and its usefulness to companies, but also in its uh, um, ability to give a, a broader picture of what's going on in corporate America and, and even in the world, not just uh, in the United States. Ryan or Craig, maybe you can share about Intel. Is there, um, do you have any examples of companies that are using the Ready Index really well and, and what helps them do so? Oh, well, I'll, I'll add one thing and then Craig can jump in. So um, American Airlines scored number two this year. Intel scored number one. So I was, yeah, woo but I was just on a, on, on a call with, diversity office at, at American Airlines and they want to know how they can become number one. So that's what it does when you start, when you start measuring things, you know, it, it, you know, these companies are competitive, you know, they have to beat out their competitors and now there's they're something to compete over. Who's the most religiously inclusive faith welcoming company uh, on the planet. And Hey, Intel, Congratulations on being number one, but you can't rest on your laurels. Number two is right on your heels. You asked a question, Angie, about how I've seen this actually help in the workforce. Is that correct? So maybe uh, one of, or maybe potentially two stories. One is that the SEEK group, ERG group is one of our seven different groups that are part of this cross-faith uh, leadership alliance. Um, I was telling a coworker about that um, who seek and who chooses to wear a turban. Some Sikhs wear a turban, some do not. But two different stories related to that. One is that he said, I'm so thankful you're doing it because it helps me to feel I can be my real self at work. And because of that, um, I've watched our different uh, uh, members of our team and knowing that I'm involved in this and he likes it and stuff to ask him, well, so what do you have under your turban or why does your turban color coordinate with your outfits and what your religious beliefs around the turban and really just having a natural dialogue on that. Then also he was able to bring up because we were talking about religion at work uh, when 9-11 occurred about two years ago when I was just getting to meet him. Um, so September the 11th, um, he was like, you know, September the 11th is a real day of tragedy for us here in Arizona and for our religion. I was like, oh, tell me more. And um, he reminded me, and I had forgotten, that uh, when 9-11 occurred that very same day, there was actually a Sikh gentleman who was gunned down at a gas station while filling up. Well, he actually owned the gas station in Arizona, and he was gunned down because some motorists thought he was a terrorist. 
and he just was shot just because he's wearing a turban on his head. And he was able to share that story with him and this very big tragedy that his Sikhs remember every 9-11 um, because we have this religious um, group at work, this cross-faith group, which was wonderful. Again, he could be authentic at work, really share about what he's feeling. And because of that, our relationship, you can probably imagine, is a lot tighter now. And it's been really good. And I guess another quick story on that, too, is, again, it's back to the relationships, bringing people together. One of the leaders of our atheist agnostic group, she was over in Russia um, with her mother, who's dying of cancer. And um, at the end of that phone call, when we had chatted, um, she was like, Craig, I don't really pray, but you do. Can you pray for my mother and her healing? And so we were able to talk about that. And I was able to pray on the phone with her and it really blessed her and stuff. Now, is that part of her religious background? No, not really. But did she see me as a friend that cared about her and her mother? Absolutely. And so end of day, if a person can establish that level of care and love at that deep level, um, only good things can happen from that. I love that idea of relationship building at work affecting the bottom line and that be, everyone being able to be themselves and their true selves at work really helps develop those relationships in the workplace rather than getting in the way of them. Um, Craig, you mentioned your, yeah, you, you mentioned your atheist agnostic coworker. And I want to ask both of you, um, why should the non-religious care about religious diversity at work? Uh, why does religious freedom at work matter? Brian, let's start with you. Humanists and these kind of philosophies have deep, you know, deep, well thought out beliefs. And, uh, and if they're not included, then it's religion becomes an exclusion, exclusionary thing. And actually, the whole diversity, equity and inclusion movement is about inclusivity. So rather than say, hey, you don't belong here. No, nope, come on in. And and I think, Greg, Craig, you know, I'm interested here what even, you know, so their reaction was great. You've told me some of that, but maybe you could sort of spin that story out more of, of how they responded um, when you reached out to them. Well, good. That's a, that's a, you, you teed me up quite well there, Brian. So yes, I was especially kind of a little nervous as I was meeting with um, our atheist and agnostic leaders in Arizona and Oregon and other places and would they even care. And um, they were no different than the Baha'i faith or the Muslim faith or the Hindu faith or the Sikh faith. They were, they were ecstatic. They were super excited. And as we started to peel back the onion more. Again, my background, I come from the Christian faith and that's what I grew up with. And that's what I've studied. That's what I know a lot about. And, and as we started to kind of compare our different belief systems, there's a lot of commonality. There's a lot of feeling of, well, I'm an atheist or agnostic and I feel judged immediately. And I was like, well, why do you feel judged? Well, people feel like I have no moral values. And so as we were developing these relationships more, it's a very strong, like Brian had mentioned, a very strong belief system um, that. I would want to support. I want everyone to feel like they can be their real authentic self at work. Because again, that is the foundation to high performing teams. And if we start to say, well, we will include this group and not really that group, that's just a downward spiral. Um, and, it, and it does, it, that's obviously the, the opposite of inclusion. Well, I'll, I'll just throw in a little philosophical framework for that. There's a, a new, um, sort of movement around covenantal pluralism. This is the idea that we covenant together to respect each other's deepest beliefs, stand up for each other to have that right. But it doesn't mean that I agree, have to agree with you or even lend moral equivalence to your view based on my code. 
moral code and vice versa. Um, and, and that framework, uh, I think, is what's happening in corporate America is that uh, just like Craig described that, hey, you know, we're making a product or designing a new, you know, new software or whatever we're doing, having a service. Um, and, you know, our beliefs are really important, but getting that job done is what we're getting paid for. And so what we need to do is covenant together, you can say, to um, say, wow, you're really important to me. You're important on this team. You believe that? I really respect that. Now let's get to, you know, developing the software. And, you know, then that team works so much better. So I think part of what is going to happen in business is this is already happening. And now we need to help explain it to people who don't quite get it. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I Coming from an interfaith background, interfaith is where I found my home. Um, oftentimes, I'm on the edge of identifying as progressive Christian or secular humanist because I can't decide which one I'll be judged less for in certain spaces. So it's really reassuring to know that this work is being done in companies and in the work environment where I do want to be able to bring my whole self to work and feel accepted for who I am. Um, this said, I, I can't imagine it's easy doing this work. Can you share maybe one or two of the biggest challenges you've encountered as you've tried to make religious diversity a focus in the workplace? In many companies, when they're trying to set up an employee resource group for faith, uh, one of the big questions comes up is, oh, this is going to be divisive. You know, you, you start this group, it's going to have conflict with, you know, other groups like the, the pride group, the LGBT group. So one thing we've seen is that when companies uh, start these groups, sometimes they have something called multiple closets where they'll invite people from the LGBTQ plus community to share what it was like to come out as gays, for example, or and coming out as Christian or coming out as you know Muslim or whatever. And you know that those bridging experiences uh, are powerful because um, you then have allies in the LGBT community who want this faith group to succeed because people re realize that, you know, it wasn't easy to come out as e either way, so to speak. You know, that's often the challenge. Is throwing religion into the mix going to add fuel to fire or is it going to be, you know, the salve that, that you know, helps, uh, helps cover and, and uh, wounds? Um, so with that, you know, Craig, I'm sure, you know, at Intel, there's been different challenges. Uh, but that's one, you know, that, that people often think about religion's just going to cause more division, but it's the opposite. It brings people together. Yeah, Brian, and, and just uh, real examples of exactly what you said. Often we're hit with the different faith-based groups. So again, that'd be atheists and all the different religious groups are often have a lot more rules that they have to follow compared to every other employee resource group. Why? Because there was this initial fear of proselytization which is a big fancy word, of course, of forced conversion from faith A to faith B, right? From belief system A to belief system B. Um, and there's still even with, well, actually in the last about three to four years, that's changed. I do not hear that anymore within HR, but for about 20 years, I did hear that. And the interesting part is that different faith-based groups have um, existed here at Intel for 25 years. And there's been this many issues, zero Zero issues with um, forced proselytization, basically someone part of the Muslim group, Christian group, Baha'i group saying, you know, you're wrong, you're going the place you don't want to go if you don't believe what I believe, et cetera. 
zero instances. And we have thousands and thousands of employees involved with this. There's this initial concern that it's, um, it creates division, as Brian had said. I've seen from experience, it does not create division. Craig, Brian, thank you so much for all that you've shared with us today. Last question, we want to ask both of you, what is one thing listeners can do today to create a culture of belonging for everyone at work? Craig, let's start with you and then end with Brian. Well, I always like to call it the coffee chats. Well, one is because I love coffee, but I mean, set up, it's a little hard if you're doing it virtually, but set up a one-on-one with a coworker that you believe maybe of a different religious or, or belief perspective than yourself and have a talk on that and stuff and get to know them. Don't start talking about that, but actually get to know them. How was their weekend? Family, kids, hobbies. So what do you believe? And, and this and that. And as you do that, you're going to develop that relationship. And then as you start to do that more and more, you can start to create maybe these cross-faith groups or interfaith groups that will help support all people. So that's something small over a cup of either virtual coffee or real coffee, getting to know your coworkers. Yeah, to, and to add to that, uh, Sue Warnke, she helped develop the Faith Force at Salesforce, their employee resource group on faith. And one thing that she says, and it, it dovetails with what Craig just said, is be curious. That's right. Be curious about the other. And that's what Craig was just saying. You know, somebody has a turban on, as Craig mentioned earlier in, in our discussion, ask, you know, oh, that's really cool. What what does that mean to you? You know, don't be don't be afraid. Or somebody's fasting during Ramadan. Uh, well, how does that work with, you know, tell me more about why you're fasting. Or, you know, a Christian is, uh, you know, making sure that they're always going to a prayer meeting. Well, seems like you pray a lot. Why, why, why is prayer so important to you? Um, you know, whatever it is, you know, people aren't ashamed, you know, it's not taboo to ask somebody about what their faith and belief and the same with the atheists and agnostics, just the conversations we've had, you know, well, you know, how, how do you feel? Do you, do you feel welcomed in this place? Um, you know, just be curious uh, as I think, um, a great thing anybody can start doing right now. Thank you so much, Brian and Craig, for your time, for showing us that religious inclusion is not only good for people, but also good for business. Thanks for listening to the Interfaith Business Network podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow at InterfaithBiz on Twitter. That's InterfaithBiz. You can also join the Interfaith Business Network on LinkedIn and Slack. Thank you to Interfaith Youth Corps for funding this podcast, to Jefferson Dayhouse for mixing, editing, and producing this episode, to Joshua Wolk for his graphic design, and to our friends at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation and AI and Faith for their partnership and support. Learn more at interfaithbusinessnetwork.com. 